I'm Rick Hamlin. People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. I like to eat ice cream and I really enjoy a nice pair of slacks. Episode 43. The move of the Rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I pissed my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Now making your whites whiter. And now. Here are your hosts, Brad Milo and Frank A. Rincon. And that's how I ended up with about two dozen cookies in my uh, jacket pocket. <laughs> when nobody, when you weren't paying attention. When huh? I wasn't paying attention. I was at a Christmas party last <laughs> night, and every time I was talking to someone, this one guy was sticking cookies in my pocket and snickering. And then at one point, I stuck my hand in my pocket, and I came out, and it was covered in brown stuff. And I'm going, what's going on? I turn around, everyone's laughing at me, and I got I got a pocket full of cookies, Christmas cookies. That's funny. That reminds me of a totally different, it's kind of tangentially related story. When I was little, uh, are you, welcome to Half Hour Wasted. Hello, welcome. I'm Frank. I'm Brad. Uh, when I was little, uh, we used to go to my aunt and uncle's house in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, for Thanksgiving. Right. So... <clears throat> we went there. We've been going there as long as I can remember. I, I broke my arm, my left arm, in Kansas City riding my cousin's bike. That's a that's a blues song, I believe. Broke my arm in Kansas City. I think you're right. Riding my cousin's bike. Um, the uh, the the memory I have the most vivid of memory is um, one particular visit. Uh, we uh, the, the all the kids ate. Thanksgiving meal downstairs in the basement and it was me and my brother who's two and a half years younger than me um, and then my cousins which were two and four years older than me something like that um, so there were Jeff and John <clears throat> hey what Jeff Jones Jeff and John oh that's funny so um, wow that's kind of a bit of weirdness yeah anyway um, so I, I loved green beans and mm-hmm. I had a plate with everything. I had green beans, right? You need a T-shirt that says that. I love green beans. That would be pretty funny, actually. <laughs> I love green beans. Um, so my dad would come down and check on me and my brother every once in a while. He'd say, "Bradley, eat your green beans." Uh, I am, Dad. I like green beans. Why wouldn't I eat them? You know, I'm, I'm eating them, eating them, eating them. And he'd come down again every few minutes. Bradley, I told you to eat your green beans. I'm eating them, Dad. Long story short, come to find out when I wasn't looking. My cousins would put their green beans on my plate, mm. and then they go upstairs and get more green beans, and then they come down, put them on my plate when I wasn't looking. Hey, Brad, what's that over there? And I'd turn around, and they'd dish them on the plate, you know? Those and so my you- dad came down. He finally started getting angry. Uh-huh. Bradley, I told you to eat your green beans. But I'm eating them, Dad. I promise I'm <laughs> eating them. These are the same cousins who put red and blue Play-Doh in my underwear and told me I'd pooped my pants. No. Well, a patriotic poop? I, I don't know. I just vividly remember <laughs> green and 
uh, uh, red and blue. You were a clueless kid if they were doing pulling that stuff while you weren't. Uh, like, speaking hey. of Jeff John, yeah, well, that's a coincidence. Green Lantern twenty five came out this past week. What Man, was that good? Yeah, I've not been a huge Green Lantern fan, but I really enjoyed Rebirth, and then I've read the whole Sinestro Core War, and then this issue here really makes me wanna wanna um start reading green lantern yeah i know i mean you know to be i mean i want to know more about this universe we need to talk to an expert okay on the phone with us is one of my new favorite quickly becoming one of my my favorite artists ethan van skyver hello ethan well hello how are you very good very good and this is frank as well ethan pleasure having you on the show thanks for making time Thanks, Frank. Let's waste a half an hour. Oh, right. And, and probably more. So, big <laughs> week for you. Uh, Green Lantern 25 came out. Um, you did selected pages on this, but uh, it, overall, it is fantastic. Uh, as a fan, love it. Oh, Absolutely good. love it. I was not disappointed with this at all. I mean, not... not know, the, that, oh, go, sorry, that, go ahead, Ethan. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm glad because, uh, you know, I know Jeff agonized over how to end this with, with so many of the big events that Marvel and DC uh, have been putting out and, and fans responding that some of them didn't end the way they, they wanted in a satisfying way. I know Jeff was deeply concerned about, you know, bringing this to an end in a way that would feel right. And, um, I mean, you know, days before it shipped, Jeff was still calling me going, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> really? Well, you can tell yeah. you can tell Jeff <laughs> that at least two people you spoke to were just floored with with the whole um, issue. We'll be happy to hear And, and the whole freaking series. I mean, it was Yeah, fun, the whole Sinestro Core story was, I've never read Green Lantern apart. I mean, I started with Rebirth. I thought hmm. the, the concept of trying to bring Hal back to the good side of things was an interesting concept. And, uh, of course, your art in that was just beautiful, and it made it easy to follow. Um, it made me care about Green Lantern. Uh, I was there when he went bad back when uh, Coast City was destroyed. I saw Hal, I saw Kyle come in. I didn't follow Kyle because he wasn't Green Lantern to me. And now now that Hal's back, I care about it. And this... this uh, uh, the Green Lantern number twenty-five just uh, just makes me want to read Green Lantern every month now. It's just awesome. Is Hal still the main Green Lantern to you, or have you sort of accepted, you know, Kyle, Guy, and John? As um, well? No, Hal. Even when Hal was Parallax and Spectre, I thought, you know, these guys that are coming in, they're just kind of like replacements for somebody that can never be replaced. Alan Scott. No, not Alan Scott. I was I'm not old enough to to re, to remember much of Alan Scott, but uh Hal Jordan was always Green Lantern to me. But you know, I think in this series you established that there's now a team. There's John, there's there's Kyle, there's Guy, and there's Hal. And Hal's definitely the head guy. But, but yeah, and, and Kilowog. Kilowog. But I love Kilowog. But uh, now the, these are the guys. These these are the um the main guys, and and let's talk a little bit about the um about the the new spectrum of rings that are introduced in this book, which is what a, an amazing concept. Uh, uh, let's talk about the design and stuff like that. Did you did you come up with with the, the logos for each of these colors? Yeah, 
yeah, it's over time. I, I you know, the Sinestro Core, you know, logo that thank goodness everybody has sort of embraced and, and, and taken in and now it's a I think it's an established part of the GL mythos was something that I had to sort of lift off of the parallax costume. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say they can't see it and it's not really there. I mean Jeff initially asked me in Rebirth to draw the parallax symbol. And I, it was like, well, what symbol? And, and he, you know, it's, like, well, it's the one that's on his costume. Well, he doesn't really have a symbol on his costume, per se. He's got a circle there, sort of a lantern-y shape. But I actually, you know, laid a little piece of tracing paper over Daryl Banks' original first drawing of Parallax and just sort of drew the circle where it was and then found the design. I, you know, I made a, a Parallax shape that sort of was a good overlay. It suggested Parallax to me. Yeah, and, and that it, became the yellow symbol. And that is um, that design itself is, um, you know, as I was reading Rebirth for the first time, I was picking up on this because, oh, look, there's this thing around him. There's this energy around him in this shape. And mm. then it was great when the series started and Sinestro Corps started, and then, boom, there's that symbol right there. Yeah. There's a scene in Rebirth where they're on the watchtower and Zatanna is looking at this globe of Earth, and he... She's tracking Hal Jordan's soul, and the way she can track it is this little green symbol, this little what turns out to be the Sinestro Core symbol. And I just yeah. thought it was neat that it was integrated that far back. Even when Parallax opens his mouth, the big monster, you can kind of see it inside his mouth, you know? Yeah, it's, it's in there. I mean, it's it's clear that, you know, this... I think I think my my train of thought was that the parallax monster has been around forever, and I, I think that's well established now. Yeah, right. I agree. So he's terrorized planets and of of all kinds of different races of animals and creatures. And um, I think in Rebirth One, or was it? No, it was the Wizard Preview. Kyle Rayner goes to a weird little alien planet where there are these tiny little sharp toothed aliens. And they take him into a cave, and they show him oh, yeah. this very primitive, crude drawing of the parallax monster. And it's almost like a, a, a cave painting. But what they saw was, you know, what became the symbol for fear. It's 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 the inside of the monster's mouth. Yeah. And that's how they represented it. Yep. And uh, you know, so that symbol became a recurring thing. And you know, there, I, I think, you know, we weren't quite sure that. It was going to be the symbol, and this sounds crazy now, but we weren't quite sure that it was going to be the symbol that Sinestro wore. I mean, if you, if you go back and look at some of the issues that I think Ivan did, where they introduced Artillo and then put him in a blue kind of Sinestro uniform, Ivan sort of gave him this just gold circle on his chest. And we weren't sure... Like I don't, I'm not sure why he did that, but it didn't, it, it didn't look right to me. I, you know, I, I thought he really needed to have something that was already established, and and since allegedly, you know, the symbol that Jeff and I used all through Rebirth represented parallax and represented fear, it just seemed like it would be the, you know, the icon for the Yellow Lantern, and so we immediately, you know, as soon as I got a chance, I, I replaced that, uh, and and you know, um, set it in stone. Great but we weren't sure part. for a while. I mean, it, it, it's lucky that things kind of happened the way they did, and we, I think we made the right decision throughout um, to keep everything consistent. And, and I like the design tricks you've done with the ring, like especially, well, 
with the all the colors. Like you look at the at the ring for that represents hope, and it looks like the Sinestro Corps uh, logo upside down. Yeah, it's an inverted. Like it's the opposite of fear. Yeah, it's the opposite of fear. That's just wonderful. How much? Um, oh, backing up just slightly. I found that in the Rebirth trade. I found that scene where uh, how Kyle sees the cave drawing. It's 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 uh, like in the third or fourth issue when uh, when he's telling uh, Oliver Queen about Parallax and what it really is. Oh yeah, that was a flashback too. Yes. If yeah. you have the trade paperback or hardcover, I know they reprinted that wizard preview. Yeah, in, there. in the in the I have the the trade in the wizard preview. It shows him on that planet, and those those uh, aliens are introduced. But you actually see the symbol when he's telling Ollie about what he found on that planet. It's right. a very this makes it feel like that you really had a lot to do with the whole concept of all these new. Uh, Green Lantern, or all these new Lantern Corps, um, the concept of the emotional uh, spectrum, the rainbow spectrum. Um, did you also design the black lantern ring? Well, I mean, I made the decision that the, the design on the ring should be something that we've seen before. Jeff actually designed, uh, if, if you look at the black lantern ring, a lot of people are noticing that it looks like the logo that is on Black Hand's chest. Perhaps that's a coincidence, perhaps not. That logo was uh, was drawn, was created by Jeff Johns. I found out later. I always thought it was Pete Tomasi that did that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jeff, uh, Jeff said, no, no, I drew it up real quick for him. Um, and it's, you know, it's perfect. It's right in line with everything that we've already established. It looks like it fits right in. And, you know, our, our, our whole, like, M.O. with this is to say, we don't want to do anything and add anything to this mythos that looks like it wasn't meant to be there all along. Okay. So look at the, the, the costume designs for all the little, you know, all the other uh, Lantern core members, all the different colors. And they all look pretty consistent. You know, they all have black legs and arms or whatever, and they all have the, the, the logo that has a, a symbol that is based around the circle in the middle and, they all look like maybe they were designed in the 1960s, the same time that Hal Jordan's oh, costume was okay. designed. I mean, there's, there's a reason for that. It would have been fun to kind of go all out and say, yeah, the Red Lanterns, they wear cool, you know, tech armor. and, and But it wouldn't be true to the soul of, of, you know, the Green Lantern mythology as we've seen it thus far. You know, then why do the Green Lanterns dress this way? Uh, well, don't know. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm always trying to think about what what they would have done if they were here. By they, I mean, you know, Gil Kane and, and you know, all the guys who are so important, and, and, you know, Neil Adams, all the guys who are integral to, to establishing the Green Lantern Corps as we know it today. You um, know, um, at, at Wizard World Texas, you had mentioned how, and I hope I don't get this wrong, but you had mentioned how, I think it bothers you that, that a lot of the Green Lanterns have their own style with their uniform. They're different but the same. Yeah. Um, have, have you thought about um, maybe, you, you know, because it's an army, it's a, it's a military force, it's a police force. Um, yeah. Has there been any talk of streamlining their uniforms? I mean, everyone else has pretty much the same uniform. Well, no, I take that back. Uh, I mean, everyone's uniform is different. Is there talk about maybe streamlining it or having a uniform uniform? Uh, we talked about it, but it, it's, 
you know, it's not going to catch on unless, you know, Jeff really enforces it. Um, there are so many Green Lantern characters that have been created, especially in the 1990s and, and in the 80s, that have such divergent and interesting takes on the Green Lantern suit that I think the fans like to see them return and like to see them dressed the way they remember them being dressed. Um, yeah, and, and I'd, I'd agree with that, too. <laughs> You'll have to excuse me, by the way. For any, everybody listening, you may notice that I'm coughing every now and then. I have a, a terrible, terrible cold right now, so... I'm, oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna fight through this. Hopefully, you'll edit out any coughing fits that I have. Um, well, but, thank you for sticking in there with us. <laughs> it's my pleasure. But no, I, my problem is this: I I can I can cope with the idea that the the suits are different here and there, and there's a little bit of everybody's allowed to have their own fashion sense. Um, that Green Lantern symbol has to become consistent right away. Yeah. Um, no more, you know cutesy versions of it, it has to look like the one house wearing, everybody has to wear it, because it means something. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, everybody doesn't get to choose their own style of police badge. You know, you, you wear the badge that's issued, and, and, you know, that's what you wear. Okay, that yeah, that that's that's great then, yeah, it's the badge that's consistent. Yeah. You know what, yeah. though, if you ever get the urge, you can change Guy Gardner's uniform, <laughs> if you want. You can just wipe the whole... Jack vest with the collar and the belt thing from existence if you choose. I had the chance to do that in Rebirth and I did not do it. I, I don't I like it. I do like it. I'm the only one who does. Everybody feels it's dated. I dated to what? I don't remember anybody dressing like that in the <laughs> 1980s. I mean, I, you know, I, to me it just looks really, really neat. I love those big chunky boots and that big fat belt. And I like the vest. Um, you know, now and then though, I, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not opposed to making some slight, you know, subtle changes. Uh, you know, I, I like, just as an experiment, in Sinestro Corps Special Number 1, I had the, uh, the Carousel's dogs rip the vest off of Guy Gardner just to see what he'd look like in a black turtleneck with a symbol on it. Oh. And uh, I thought it looked really cool, you know. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, there wasn't a lot of green left to his uniform, which is a problem, but... Uh, I still thought it was pretty neat, and you know I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, knowing that the costumes are energy, and therefore, you know, respond to uh, willpower, uh, and that we're not being sticklers for some reason. For, oh, okay. you know, we're not being sticklers for everybody having a consistent, you know, streamlined Hal Jordan suit. You know, why couldn't they change their costumes every now and then? I thought it might be neat. You know, to, uh, going towards the end of um, of issue number twenty five, and we get that that almost that that teaser poster of what's of what's coming, and we talk about the the black rings and stuff like that. Brad and I were speculating on it, and we have a theory. But he might have just dashed our theory. You think? Well, forgive our sure. ignorance, Ethan. But is Black Hand is that a an old Green Lantern villain? Oh yeah. Okay. Black Hand is uh, Black Hand is a guy that he's been around forever, but we reintroduced Black Hand. Oh, he was in. You know what? He was in Rebirth. As a matter of fact, I just realized um, Black Hand showed up in Rebirth number one, and Spectre atomized his hand. Um, oh, that's that right. Yeah. I remember that. Um, and then he shows up again in a new costume yeah, in Green Lantern five and six. 
Um, number six, drawn by the incomparable Simone Bianchi, who is over at Marvel now, sadly. Mm. Um, great mm. stuff. I recommend it if you haven't read it. I'm looking at the black hand uh, picture where he's his hand's missing, and he's got that triangle on his belt. Okay. Yeah, and that kind of throws our... our uh, theory out the window i had an awesome theory it was awesome we did we did recognize the hand motif going on with the with the 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 spiky rocks coming up behind the first time we see the the black lantern and uh the the ring themselves kind of looks like a hand with a palm and then five fingers sticking up and then at the very end that last splash page when the fist is coming out with the black hand ring on it there's an aura around all of these arms coming up and they definitely look like a, a hand spread open hand we recognize right. the hand motif you want to you want to tell ethan what we thought um i was thinking that that cronus was going to fit into this somehow the guy who uh, the guy at the beginning of um of time who who messed up the whole uh, dc universe and created the multiverse he he was originally one of the guardians and so I was leaning towards that. I thought maybe he had something to do with it because there's a whole motif of the DC universe with a hand coming out of it. I mean, it's even an infinite crisis to a bit, but that's that's Alexander Luthor. So I was leaning towards that, but well, maybe maybe it is Black Hand. I don't know. I, I realize you can't say anything. We are just speculating at this point. Maybe it is. Do you know who it is? I, I don't even. I'll be honest with you. I don't know who Cronus is. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I, you know, a lot of people are asking: Is Cronus specifically a GL villain, or is he? No, he was. Uh, he uh, he was at the beginning of time with the Guardians, way before even um, uh, there there were uh, Green Lanterns. Before there were Manhunters. I mean, he was just he was a scientist trying to figure out how the universe worked. Yeah, he wanted. He played. He played a big part in the uh, JLA Avengers four four issue miniseries mm-hmm. crossover that George Perez drew. He, and, played, he played a huge part in that, and he's also in Infinite Crisis or uh, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, I, you know, I, honestly, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. You know, Jeff and I, um, when we first started, you know, Green Lantern, we thought about we made a list of of you know nine or ten of Hal Jordan's most classic rogues. Okay, I mean the guys who go back to the 1960s who date back that far. And then we, we just sort of thought, well, we're going to, you know, once we get our hands on all of these guys, um, Sinestro really stuck. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, we, Sinestro, for a while, it's not, it's not commonly known, was not going to be in Rebirth. Um, he was dead. And okay. so, you know, Jeff, Jeff wasn't crazy then about the idea of resurrecting dead characters. Um, DC's always been tough to, to convince about that as well. Um, but for some reason, you know, and I, I, I said to him, I, I said, you know, look, we can't, you can't have Luke Skywalker without Darth Vader. I mean, you really do need to have Hal Jordan and Sinestro. If you're going to bring Hal back, you've got to bring Sinestro back. And then we just slowly worked on him. And I, I remember, you know, also there was a, a general attitude about Sinestro that people thought he was a joke. Um, other creators, fans, thought Sinestro was a goofball. Well, he and has, yeah, he has the big mustache. I mean, he looks like a, just a caricature of a villain. Yeah, uh, I a, know. I, I, I mean, I see where it's coming from. I, you know, people, people remember him from the Super Friends. Uh, you know, I, but I, I don't, 
the, the interesting thing about me is, like, you know, it's like, like I just said, I don't know who, you know, Cronus is. Well, I, I haven't really read too much about Sinestro. I've read a few books. I know who he is. But, you know, I, I'm, I, haven't had, I haven't had my ideas colored by anything that I've read. And so I always thought that, you know, Sinestro was, you know, a tyrant. It's just a fascist dictator who um, was all about order and who was ice cold and, and impassive and cruel. I'd see these images of him laughing, looking like a purple joker with pointed ears, and I just reject them. I think they're wrong. Um, he's, he's not like that. He's, his self-satisfaction is different than that. You know, he, um, and then, you know, I just, I, I kind of like forced it on people. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I would just say, look, you know, Sinestro does not cackle. Sinestro stands there. Sinestro does not, unless he absolutely has to get into fisticuffs with anybody. You know, I Sinestro wonder- doesn't move. I wanted to bring that up because I heard another interview with you on on another podcast, and you had mentioned that that uh, Sinestro is above getting his hands dirty, just like yeah. you described him. But yet, there's that great fight in this. Um, it's not just uh, a great fight; it's a freaking awesome fight. I mean, it, it's fisticuffs, like you said. How did yep. it make you feel when when you, when you heard about that? I mean, did that? How did it was make you feel? Perfectly appropriate. It yeah. was perfectly appropriate. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you know, Jeff, you know, brought it to that level. You know, I mean, Sinestro was brought to that level. Look, Hitler was brought to a, you know, uh, to a low end, you know, at the end of World War II. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Hiding, crouched in a bunker, committing suicide. I mean, you know, pathetic compared to the guy that, you know, you'd see footage of surrounded by armies of people. At the end of the day, you know, it's like, you know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt could walk. <laughs> and like, you know, uh, Churchill confronted Hitler and said, put him up. Do you think Hitler would fight him? There's just the two of them? Of course he would. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's that kind of a moment to, to me where it's like, look, you know, the gloves are off and, you know, you guys, um, you're still dogs and I'm still above you and I, I'll, I'll, you know, I can even beat you in a fist fight, you know, without my ring. I thought it was great. I really, I wasn't expecting it and I thought it was terrific. Yeah, and, I, and if anything, it accented, you know, my point more that, you know, it takes a lot to get Sinestro to do that. You have to go through his army before he'll do that. Yeah, I love how whenever we'd see, most of the time we'd see Sinestro, he'd be just floating in the air with his arms crossed, yeah. letting his army do the, mm-hmm. do the work. And it's, it was perfect. I was The way that Johns has characterized him, is, did you say you had, a, you had something to do with that? Did you kind of push that on him? Um, or did he? Did he really? Did he just agree with you that you no, know, he's not a joke, yeah. and this is the way we need to ride him? Yeah, we talked about it a lot, and I, I remember just, just saying, you know, over and over again, like this is who this guy is. Just let me let me draw some images of him. Just let me draw some images of him and sell it to you. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know when we got to use him in Rebirth, at that point we were pretty much focused on who the you know who our version of Sinestro was. Because uh, I remember him just sort of hovering in the air over Kyle Rayner and barely lifting his pinky to, to fight him. <laughs> but you know, listen, you know, if you know, at, at that point with Kyle Rayner having done the kind of damage to Sinestro's ego that he did, um, remember the scar on Sinestro's back? Yes, that was um, awesome. 
And then Hal Jordan is always a worthy opponent to Sinestro. If he's going to get into a fist fight and actually lower himself to that, uh, for anybody, it's going to be these two guys. Um, yeah, because... So uh, I, I loved it. Yeah, I love the scene where Jordan is sucking the power out of his ring. Mm. He says, I'm putting us on an even playing field. And then Sinestro's like, come on then, the both of you. It's like yeah. he's, he's going in full throttle. He knows out of his mind. Yeah, he <laughs> just skinny old man. Come yeah. on, man. That kind of gave I, me I that kind of gave me little chills well, watching that. Let, let's that. let's step away from twenty five just for a second. And there's a couple other things we wanted to talk to you about. I don't want to step away from twenty five just yet because I have a couple other questions. Well, we can come back to it. All right, we'll come back to twenty five. We'll come back to twenty five. Okay, but. Uh, you were commissioned to do the um, the promo piece for DC with the villains on it, Ethan. Yeah, and, and evil shall inherit the earth. And I read somewhere that when uh, when you did the covers for World War Three, you were given no direction. They just said draw this, this, and this, and you did. Yeah. Were you given direction on this promo piece because there's so many elements to it, and you know we were slowly trying to decrypt them and stuff like that. Uh, let's talk about the direction you were given when you drew this piece? I was directed to, to draw that piece so tightly and so, I mean, that piece was so carefully choreographed, I have no idea what it means. Um, okay. Were you given, like, maybe a thumbnail sketch? I'm sorry, what? Were you given, like, a thumbnail and say, this needs to be here, this needs to be here? Correct. Was yeah. this Dan DiDio's baby? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he had, he sent me a, a drawing. And, I mean, literally, I, I didn't want to deviate from his drawing at all. I drew it exactly like what he, you know, he gets sent me a stick figure drawing. And I drew it exactly like that. And then, you know, I also said, you know, send me costume reference. Send me reference for everything because I don't want to have to draw this thing twice. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they sent me a batch of costuming. I don't, I don't know what's up. A lot of people have asked me about the trickster. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That's the, that's, the, that's the drawing they sent me. Is that Dasad um, standing next to Trickster? Yes, that's Dasad. Yeah, he's he's in his uh, the, the Jeff Johns version of the Trickster suit, and I don't know why. Well, I, I'm this... not I'm I'm not sure if that's a mistake or not. You know, it, it might be, it might not be, because the Trickster that we've seen all throughout Countdown has been wearing a modified version of this classic suit. Right. So to clear that up, you know, all I can say is. Um, Maybe somebody sent me the wrong reference, but I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. There, it could still mean, you know, could have been intentional. Who knows? I love the way the Sinestro core symbol was modified to fit on Cyborg Superman's chest. Ah, I got away with that. <laughs> what, is, what do you mean by that? Well, I, you know, nobody told me to do that, you know. Was, like was that said. not originally supposed to be part of the Cyborg Superman? Was that Sinestro core symbol? No, of course not. I, you know, Jeff said, draw Cyborg Superman. I said, well, he's in Sinestro Corps now. Can I take the S out of his you know, chest? And, and I, you know, I don't even think Jeff really said yes. I think I, maybe I left it on his machine and he didn't get back to me about <laughs> it. But I, I said, you know what? F it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and you know, what, you know what's it, important? He didn't say no. That's what's yeah, he important. Didn't, he didn't say no. If he called back and said, no, 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 I, I wouldn't have done it. But he didn't say anything. And I figured, look, this is a safe risk because... You know, listen, they'll fix it in production if it's a no-no. It's not too hard to get a Superman logo and slap it on there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is this Sinestro Core symbol on Cyborg Superman, is that the first time we saw that symbol? 
Yeah. Yeah, and, and I remember seeing that going, what the heck is that? Yeah. And then who's the guy in the, who's the black Superman? Did you know that that was Super, Superman Prime when you drew him? Um, yeah. They sent me a picture of the Dan Jurgens Superman Prime. and Well, you know, the black Superman, I think they called him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't find out it was Superman Prime until, what, a month ago or so in Countdown? Yeah, yeah, I think so. That still has to be explained. about that because, you know, they later told me that this is one of the things. By the way, I'm angry about this, so let me let me get this off my chest for anyone who's listening. Okay. Um, they told me that Superboy Prime was going to become Superman Prime and that he was going to be, he's going to reveal, I mean, that, you know, that's what that image in Countdown meant. He was going to be wearing the black suit now. And so I thought, okay, and then they said, we'll do the cover. Have him ripping off his Sinestro Corp Superboy suit. And um, underneath it is the black S. And are, you talking went, about the, are you talking and about the cover of the Tales of the Sinestro Corps? Correct. Okay. Um, and... So I drew it, and they said he was Superman Prime now, and I went, okay, so agent, is he going to look like the Superman that I drew on that countdown? So I did. I drew like an evil-looking Superman, right, an adult Superman face, ripping open the, you know, the, 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 the chest thing and then revealing blackness underneath with that silver S. Right. And it looked, I thought it looked so scary and so cool. And then some, some sort of thing happened where we couldn't reveal that in in the tales of the Nestro Corps Superman Prime book we couldn't reveal that he was going to be Superman Prime it was odd that's too bad because and I had to do a patch and what a patch oh, is, no. is they send you a photocopy of the cover and you have to light box it and then draw you know a little patch to put over it to change what used to be you know black with a silver logo I had to draw like his chest underneath but and they said draw a, an S scar on his chest. I didn't know what they were talking about. Is that why so, it doesn't look... So what we have is a cover that is wrong. It doesn't really mean anything. When it used to be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah, why the was... S looks more just like an S instead of the Superman symbol? Yeah, I, I didn't know what the... You know, because I remember seeing... I, I was very vague about it with me. I, you know, nobody asked me to fix it or anything, so I assumed it was fine. But, um, yeah, I remember seeing a Teen Titans cover, I think, where Superboy had carved an S into his chest, and it just looked like an S. I think. I mean, I could have just I, been I imagining that. I think you're right about that. The first but time we ever saw the scar, obviously, was at the end of Infinite Crisis. Right. But I, I, no, I didn't read the last issue of Infinite Crisis. <laughs> if I remember correctly. I'm waiting for the trade. Um, I, I read like the first five and then I got distracted and I, you know, with other things and I just lost it and, and didn't read the last two issues. So I didn't even know about that and nobody told me. And so, uh, I don't know. It's, that sounds like an editorial I, I goof up to me. Cover was cool if it had been, if it had meant what it was supposed to mean, but it didn't. So there you go. And, and that is a real shame because that, that uh, I, I can see just how awesome that I would know, be. I can but, picture it in my mind. But I guess, do you still have that piece of artwork, the original? Yeah, I'm going to run it in the sketchbook. If, cool. I, if I do do a new sketchbook this year for San Diego, I'll probably run the original untampered with version in there so people can see it. Now that the cat's out of the bag and everybody knows that, you know, 
for a long time, I mean, I, I got emails about it from people like, didn't you know you got the scar wrong? And, and why is he grown up? And what? And it's like, I can't tell you. Oh, how <laughs> yeah. frustrating. So yeah, that's got to be. That, yeah, that had I to be can't maddening. explain why, you know, this cover is inadequate. I'm sorry. Um, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. You know, so. And and I guess you kind of feel that that reflects on you, too. Like, no, I know what I'm doing. I did what I was told, but. Well, we are. I, um... Yeah, I, I, you know, a lot of times. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of times it is, it's, you know, like, I don't I don't ask for too many details about things like I should. I mean, you know, you brought up the World War Three covers. I mean, look, you know, they told me what to draw. They said, you know, three panels, and in each one, draw this, 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 and this. And I didn't know what the story was about, and really didn't need to, I thought. I would just draw what I was told to draw. Um, and, you know, that's, that's kind of the way I operate, because I really just, you know, I... I I don't know. It's like I don't want to hear a lot of story elements and, and have them confuse me. I just, you know, if you have an idea for what, you know, the image that you want me to draw, just tell me to do it and I'll do it. Um, and then a lot of times that'll happen and then, you know, the story hasn't even officially been written yet and then, you know, the writer will take reference from the cover that I've done, um, which has happened quite a few times and it's kind of cool and it does happen. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Well, that, that that is. A sh- I'm, I'm glad you got to unload a little bit. That's a shame. We obviously have yet to see the story elements of how Superboy Prime becomes Superman Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that he's Superman Prime because he is Superman Prime in Countdown. Um, I think this has this the fact uh, of the uh, discrepancy may be the wrong word, but um, the uh, um, I'm searching for the word and I can't find it. But the problem is that the Sinestral Corps storyline just got to be so big and it, it just got to take up more time than they had originally intended with Countdown. Is that probably why we're seeing the end of the story in Countdown before we see the end of the story in the Green Lantern books? I don't know. I I have no idea. As far as I know, Sinestral Corps basically came out on time. <laughs> there, there seems to be. Um, are, are you reading Countdown, Ethan? No. There's um. There, there's a little bit of discrepancy, uh, time-wise, where it seems like, um, like months ago in Countdown, Kyle ended up showing up, and the Sinestro Corps war had ended, but they really right. couldn't say anything about it. He's like, "Okay, I'm here. Yeah, we had some. We had to deal with something, but now I'm here with with the challengers now." So yeah, I heard about that. I, and and so th- th- there was some scheduling. There there seemed to be some scheduling problems, and everyone was trying to 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 kind of figure that out. And I I don't know. I'm I'm not really big on on a countdown right now. I kind of gave up because it was uh the the way it was structured. I was never really learning anything. I gave up after episode twenty six, and after that whole um Kyle thing. You know you know Kyle's here, but the Sinestro Corps is still going on. So. You almost made it halfway through. No, you yeah. did. You made it exactly halfway yeah, through. Yeah, I made it halfway through. I figured that was a good stopping point. And, you know, <laughs> if it does get great, I'll pick up the trades. Are there still a couple of chapters left in the Sinestro Corps storyline that take place in the Green Lantern Corps book? Um, it's a supersized finale. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a supersized finale on the cover of 25, but I was thinking I'd seen a schedule of the uh, Sinestro Corps storyline when it was going to be published and that the last two chapters took place in Green Lantern Corps after issue 25 of Green Lantern. Why not? <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Let's get, a, let's get a couple more chapters out of it. I, 
there's still more story to be told. I mean, I don't think people understand that Sinestro won the war. Oh, he did. Yeah, that I think that was made clear in uh, in uh, his explanation. Hal even realized what Sinestro wanted. Yeah, he wanted people to fear the Green Lanterns, and now they do because the Green Lanterns can kill now. They're authorized to use deadly force. Yeah, and Hal was like, his whole his whole thing is, is you know his idea is to destroy the Green Lantern Corps. That's his plan. It doesn't necessarily mean beating them militarily. I mean, sometimes, you know, it could mean destroying their um, their agenda, destroying their morality and their their ethics. Mm. And, yeah. you know, taking a step. Uh, you know, Sinestro Corps really moved them one big step towards that. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think making their green rings, you know, able to kill is such a wonderful idea. For the for the Owens, the Guardians, I, I don't think that was a great idea for them to, to go and do that. I think it was a necessity, um, but I think it's harmful. I think it uh, it it erodes the heroism. You know, I I, I agree with that because when I was reading the series and and the Owens give them permission to do that, I, I was like, mm-hmm. really? Because heroes don't kill. Obviously, yeah, Sinestro it's, knew that, and yeah. that's what he was working for. Yeah, uh, you know, it it, it was just heartbreaking and I, I thought it was you know when jeff told me about it the first time i thought it was absolutely ingenious it's so subtle mm-hmm. it's so smart if i know? could mix metaphors for just a moment i'm i'm when i think of sinestro doing what he did orchestrating this i think of palpatine from the star wars saga how he orchestrated his rise to power the wow. destruction of the jedi mm. and all the planning that he took Wow. That he put into it, the end result was he got what he wanted. The same thing happened with Sinestro. Yep. Hey. So we decided yeah. to, uh, this interview is so good and it goes on for another 45 minutes or so. Yeah. So we decided to break it up into two. So we're going to release part two later on this week, hopefully. Yeah, it won't have to wait a whole week. Yeah. And just a few, a few days from now. And that'll be episode 44. So guys, thanks for staying with us and we hope you're digging the, <laughs> we hope you're digging the interview. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. Way to go, Brad. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. So hang in there. Uh, we'll see you next time on Half Hour Wasted. Yep, call us at 641-715-3900, extension 775-0064-POUND. Or uh, drop us an email at halfhourwasted uh, at gmail.com. You know what we need are voicemail entries for that Star Wars joke contest. Oh, yeah. Guys, don't forget, we have uh, we have that Star Wars contest going. We need a Star Wars-themed joke, and send it to that voicemail. You'll win some trades. All right. All right, now we go. All right, bye. Bye.